Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn, Spotify, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Hornsby Coringai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. Anthony the Bull Caruso here tonight to take you through the biggest piece of the summer cricket wrap-up for season 2020-21. It is New South Wales Premier Cricket time, and with five grades plus PGs and Green Shield to get through, we've got more cricket than you can poke a stump at. We've got another full panel with us tonight, so let's get through it. And we've got, not only have we got a full panel, we've got a full panel of Premiership winners here tonight. First off, we go to first grade. He is one of the most coveted bowlers in the competition going around at the moment. He has played at the elite level, and he is very kindly donated his time to join us. Nick Bills, welcome back to Triple H. Thank you, mate. Uh, good to be here. Obviously, nice to be on as a, a Premiership winner, as you said. Um, and I think this might be my second or third time. I think the first time uh, on the podcast, the first time I got thrown under the bus by one Jay Letton. Um, so it's nice to be back. It's not the first time Jay's thrown thrown you under the bus either, is it? I've heard he's done it a couple of times to you. Oh, there's been a few different times. It all seems to even out um, in the end. We spend enough time with each other, so anything he's done to me, I'm sure we'll be able to get him back. Well, I'm sure you've got your opportunity to return fire here tonight. We then go to our other Premiership winner. He's done it as a captain this year with your local club, the Northern District Rangers. He's been a fan favourite of ours on the show, joining us during the shows on Friday night. He joins us for the podcast now. Clayton Waters, good evening to you. Good evening, Anthony, and to you as well, Nick. Um, thanks for having me, mate. Um, good to be back again. And again, the same thing as Nick, obviously, to be a captain of a, a winning side um, in a premiership side is pretty unreal. So um, I'm more than happy to talk about it, mate. So looking forward to having a chat about um, the season and, and all the other games as well. It, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a season in general for, for both of you that really did start in what couldn't be any more difficult circumstances with regards to COVID, but I'm sure you both can agree that it's produced a a magnificent season of cricket. And, Nick, I guess from your side with first grade, probably one of the closest seasons we've seen in some time. Yeah, I think I I look back now, mate, and and, when we started our pre-season back in late August, um, no, probably early August, late July, I think there were still a lot of restrictions around community sport and, and not being able to cross over too many borders. So our sessions on a Saturday morning, even though they were a bit of fitness and stuff like that, it, it allowed the boys to sort of get out of, at times, what could be, for some people, a pretty lonely place. It was sort of working from home, not too much contact with people, pubs had only just opened um, and all those sort of things. So to actually be able to get out and, and train and then play some cricket uh, as the season rolled on it, you didn't really notice by the end of the season too much of the little nuances with COVID and everything like that. It was at the start of the season. It was actually good um, just to be able to get outside. It looked at different times. Like we may not get a season start um, on time, if at all, sort of pre-Christmas. So to be able to get out and obviously it helped with us. We started well with a couple of wins. Uh, it, was, it was nice to be able to start that way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've already got a bit of a hint of what it's going to be like tonight and I couldn't be more excited to discuss it. Five grades to get through. 
We'll hopefully we'll have time for Point of and Grey and Green Shield and the club championship. It'll be a feat to fit this all within an hour. With that, umpire strikes back and Hugh Jars have taken their positions and they have called play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. <laughs> We're going to kick off with a first grade tonight, and we're going to start off, Nick, the Sydney snatching the minor premiership to start off in the last round after, despite Manly's, well, with Manly's narrow win over Sydney University, but there were a couple of really big surprises in that first grade competition. Some of the usual suspects were there, Northern District, yourselves, Sydney University, Manly Warringah recovering from what was a diabolical season last year, and Fairfield Liverpool out of nowhere getting into the top six. Uh, absolutely, mate. I think we we played nearly all of those teams, um, bar Manly. Um, obviously, we got to play them in, in the last couple of weeks, but I think it just goes to show, um, obviously, the, the teams that you mentioned, Sydney Unis, uh, the uh, Manlys, they've probably had a couple of bad years um, that they, they'd like to live over again, but they're usually there or thereabouts. Obviously, ourselves, we've been there. Um, at the pointy in the last couple of years, but I think it, it just goes to show a club like Fairfield and a player like Jared Burke, just the experience he can bring. Sometimes only takes one player to make a bit of a difference to a side. You, they've had quite a talented young group of players that have probably just missed a little bit of leadership since someone like Anthony Clark left um, a few years ago. So Burkey's been able to come in and I think he's done an excellent job there. He, he showed when he was at Bankstown he was um, one of the premier players and minds in the competition. Then went to Campbelltown and did the same thing. I think he drew drew them from last minor premiers to first in his first year. Um, they got the minor premiership and then do the same thing at Fairfield um, and drag him into a semi final uh, this year. It just goes to show that uh, one player can make a bit of a difference, especially that sort of experience. And Clayton, you've played in this competition previously. You've seen how how tight the competition can be from time to time and how you usually do get one or two teams that pop out of nowhere to to make that final. When you look through that mid table, there is almost there is almost nothing between say sixth place all the way down to tenth and eleventh. Yeah, it was just absolutely gridlocked. Like you look at, you know, Randy Peters from Bankstown could have uh, Randy Peets could have you know, snuck in, in in the last round if um, St George happened to have lost. So you know, it was just crazy. And I know, um, you know the ND's boys they came down to third grade and we were watching the the Manly Sydney Uni game. And if you know Sydney Uni won that game, we would have snuck into third, um, and therefore wouldn't have been washed out in the first week when there was like four thousand millilitres of rain that week. So it, it just shows, you know, a little bit here and there, and. Uh, one game here, a couple of runs there, just really had an impact, and, and that cost you know the NDs boys from being fifth, uh, being third, sorry, and into fifth. So uh, it's just such a bottleneck. Um, it just shows again just the amount of talent that we have in our competition, and yeah, it's just an incredible season and um, something that you just look back on and. You know, it's a massive congratulations to Sydney for winning it. It's such a strong competition. Now, I do have to make one comment before we do go on, and it is an, an apology that I have to make for the start of the um, uh, at the start of the season, Nick. When we did do our preview, we made our predictions for where clubs would finish in the ladder. I'm happy to say, uh, from my side, that I think I've got four out of the six for the top six. But my tip for the wooden spoon, um, I have to admit, I did miss out on, and I do have to give an apologies 
to Campbelltown Camden for picking that they would get the wooden spoon. They did finish third. They did finish third last, and I, and uh, to be fair, they did do uh, I, they did do a lot better than what a lot of players, a lot of um, people thought they would do, considering how many players left them during the off season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you only have to look at the two players. Um, they were they were a side we didn't play this year, so I don't know exactly who was in their eleven, but I know. Certainly Phil Wells and, and obviously Jared Burke, as we mentioned before, um, didn't play for them this year. You only have to look up. I hate to think how many first-grade games there are between them, but I, I reckon it'd be close to sort of four or 500. You, you suck that amount of cricket experience, let alone the runs of wickets that those guys are taking. You suck that much cricket experience out of a side, and it's certainly going to leave a hole. I think you do that to any team in the competition. And it certainly starts to make it a little bit harder to win games. But I think all that means is Campbelltown's probably had to play a couple of youngsters that um, may not necessarily have been quite ready for first grade now, but they'll start to bear the fruits of that in a year or two's time when they've probably got a handful more first grade, first grade games sorry, than the rest of their competition uh, coming through the grades as younger players. So um, while it may not probably help them right at the moment, I think in a couple of years' time it, it's only going to make them stronger in the competition as well as if they can keep that core group of players that, that came through um, this year. You only have to look back at, at Sydney um, five or six years ago, I think won three games and finished 17 or 18. Um, and since that year, about five or six years on, we haven't missed the finals once um, in any of the formats that have been played. So it may not, may not help them sleep much better at night now, but I think you, you look forward and there's going to be um, some good things to come for a side like Campbelltown, having had the blood uh, a couple of young players. Well, let's go through the, let's go to the semi-finals and a quick mention of them. First off, Nick, your match against uh, Fairfield-Liverpool. The Tigers basically batted Fairfield-Liverpool out of the game and what a performance it was from Matt Rogers and Anthony Mosca, both tunning up and the match being called at lunch on day two with Sydney scored a ridic- uh, frankly ridiculous five for 395. Absolutely. I think um, that our boys, and as Clayton said before, you, you put yourself into the position to be able to do things like that um, throughout the season. We were lucky enough to, to go through the season having only um, lost one game um, I think it was around 13 or 14, trying to set up a, an outright result for ourselves. But um, with our batting lineup, we knew how important finishing one, two, and three was uh, coming into the finals. I think that's probably where we've let ourselves down in the last few years. Is we've let games go, we just haven't probably turned up um, in the right frame of mind. And <clears throat> you finish three, four, and five on the ladder, and come to the semi-finals, uh, you need to try and force a result. We knew with our batting lineup, we could actually have the luxury of being able to bat sides out of the game. Um, if we did that, it certainly meant my contribution was pretty minimal over that semi-final weekend. I think I only cut the tries, maybe a few try assists in touching the warm-up, but that was about it. But um, the partnership between Dodge and AJ that morning, uh, well, it went all day, but you could just tell right from the, the word go that both of those guys were, weren't going to throw their wickets away and were going to look to put the game to bed. Um, and obviously for both of them, uh, to get hundreds, uh, break a record partnership for the club in first grade as well, um, was quite an amazing feat and really set us up and gave us a, a nice bit of momentum into the final. Oh, come on, let's, 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 let's face it, Nick. There's no better feeling for a bowler, and I know what it, I know what it feels like to be able to sit in the Qantas lounge for two days of a final, kick back and just go, yeah, life's pretty good right now. There's Absolutely. no better feeling. Absolutely. The only thing we were missing at Dremoyne Oval was a toasted sandwich maker, but that, that probably, if we had one of those, I might have come in a few kilos overweight for the final a week later. 
That's um, no, that's that's quite fair enough. I, I think we could organise something like, like that for next time. I'll, I'll keep that in mind, actually. Um, Clayton, we come, we have a quick chat about the other semi-final, another classic between Sydney University and Manly. Manly batting first, declaring just before the end of day one the score of eight for three hundred nineteen, and it's a former ND who got him to that point, a hundred and nine from Joel Foster. Yeah, so good to see Fossey um, score some runs. You know, it's it's really really good. He's a, he's a good kid, and you know he, he's made a lot of um, you know changes in his life, and I think they've all been for the better. And I'm, I couldn't be happier for for him to score some runs. And, and look, you know that was Manly needed to make the run. They you know declaring at 300, and they needed to rock up on day two and knock Sydney Uni over. And you know, the way Hads obviously bowls just absolutely blasting away with Fifa. So. Um, unreal to knock such a really good team over um, Sydney Uni by, in, by 162. So it's just um, awesome, and you know, mainly deserve it to um, to play against um, the Sydney boys in the final. And then the, we get to the grand final. I was able to come down and watch a little bit of it, and I got to say, well, with the um, with the boy himself, and I got to say, it ended up becoming a non-event. Sydney uh, Nick in the first innings, absolutely magnificent with the bat. Anthony Mosca getting runs 94, but. 137 and a Beno, Beno medal to your wicketkeeper, Bo, Bo McClintock. We knew that there was something special about this guy. We knew it was brewing for some time, and this year it was realised. Absolutely, mate. And Bo was exceptional um, in that final, but I think he um, had an outstanding year as well. I, I definitely got 300s. I'm pretty confident in saying he got four throughout the year, and they all came in pretty big games as well. Um, semi-final of the one-day comp, we were, were sitting in a little bit of trouble. Got 100, got to 250, 260, um, and we were able to get across the line there as well. But that that innings in the final, um, with the pressure that's on, obviously there's not just any other game. Uh, the partnership between him and AJ there was, was quite exceptional, I think. Both, both, both players, um, and to be fair, Dodge as well as Skipper, um, the week before showed that they're probably... Um, they have the ability, more than the ability to play at the next level, um, if given the opportunity. Obviously, Bo with the gloves and AJ and Dodge um, with the bat as well. And I think that's why this year we were um, so good across the board in, in all formats. Was We had batsmen that um, we knew could back each other to do the job. Um, if we did lose a couple of, couple of wickets earlier, we got ourselves... Um, on the pitches a couple of times, losing the toss um, and having to go in when we probably would have chose to bowl ourselves. We were able to get ourselves out of trouble um, and, and then coming into the final, Bo was able to put the icing on the cake and, and score that magnificent 100 and, and certainly got a well-deserved uh, Benno medal for his efforts. Can we can we confirm or deny the rumours that um, AJ Mosca might be in line for a call-up for uh, the Italian national team? Um, I think, well, to be fair, I think our Sydney Tigers could probably make up about five or six of the Italian national team um, with the Menenti brothers, the two Moscas, um, and, and one Daniel Smith, um, who's married into the family. I think we, we could form part of the Godfather 11 there. Um, I think it'll be, we'll certainly get a few extra players if cricket ever did get into the Olympics um, in the Italian side. Um, I think they're, they're talking about potentially playing at the Colosseum in Rome uh, for their first test match, which might be some way off down the road. Um, but I think if there is some cricket to be played for those associate nations down the line, I think um, all guys have sort of mentioned they'd certainly be keen to, to have a crack and, and give it an opportunity. Um, I'm not quite sure they know what they've signed up for yet. I'm pretty sure that sort of associate nation stuff, synthetic wickets um, and all that sort of stuff rolled out pitches. But I reckon the Italian side could benefit from someone like AJ Mosca. Um, I think singing the national anthem would bring a tear to his eye. 
<laughs> it, it would bring it would bring a tear to a lot of people down at um, down at Dremoyne and right around from Five Doctor Leichhardt. The other side, Manly just never really got going. Jack Nisbet absolutely rock and rolled the top order before the aforementioned Menenti boys um, finished the job off, and Manly all out for 123. Yeah, I think just the momentum from the innings of 300 odd and three sorry 350 odd, and then. Yeah, just rolled straight in and, and Jack and I watched that spell on Frogbox and that was just unreal. You know, he was just all over them. He made him play pretty much nearly every ball and, and just built pressure. And then obviously with Billsy at the other end too, just, you know, he just built pressure. And then, you know, you got guys like Harry and Ben that can come in, um, after that. You know, you, you don't have a chance. You know, it's not, no, no, not really often in first grade teams do you have a chance, you know, for one bowler to switch off. But with these guys, you know, you're just facing class bowlers the whole time and you know, early wickets for Manly and, Couple of big losses at the at the top there, and it just never, unfortunately, looked like it. So, um, yeah, Sydney just absolutely um, smacked them, to be honest. And you know, it was a really, really fantastic effort by Sydney, and um, yeah, showed that they absolutely deserve the victory. Going very quickly, the top ten. We've already mentioned a couple of the usual suspects in uh, Anthony Mosca and Bo McClintock for Sydney. Um, one to mention as well, uh, Clayton Tom Jago from UTS North Sydney, also tying for the O'Reilly Medal. Um, a brilliant season from him at UTS North Sydney and a club that really has recovered over the last couple of years to become a force again in New South Wales Premier Cricket. Yeah, just a couple of key additions into their um, top sides. Um, yeah, and some really, really good players in there. And, you know, it's no surprise that um, when you put those top guys in those positions and um, you get to you know play on some really decent grounds as well up at North Sydney that you got the chance to score runs. So... Yeah, really, really good performance by him, and um, yeah, thoroughly deserved. And then on the bowling side, Nick, uh, you you yourself came third in the bowling charts, only behind Ryan Hadley and and Ben Joy, and some other very solid bowlers right around you, including Marcus Atala, Luke Shelton, and Ben Taylor. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think that's probably on my side of just probably thirty odd unlucky batsmen out there, um, but there, there's certainly a lot of good fast bowlers going around. Had showed. Um, obviously, I didn't get to see his spell in the semi-final, uh, but for more reports, uh, he just did a job on them, was just too good um, with the old ball once it started swinging, and he had to show a different set of skills uh, out there at Tremoyne over the first two days. I, I'd be confident in saying I don't think Haz has bowled 34, 35 overs across two days before, but what what you got from him was just an expe- exceptional sorry, work ethic. Um, he kept coming. Um, I'm still not overly thrilled that I didn't get that many balls in my half while I was batting. I think in three games I've played against Hads, I think seven of them have been at my head, one of them have been at my stumps. Um, and he's got one wicket from that ball, so hopefully he's smart enough to work that out next time. If he just bowls at my stumps, I, I won't hang around for too much longer. But um, in all seriousness, I think he was exceptional and probably proved why um, to a lot of people that may have sort of thought he, he's probably been around the blue setup without playing a game that he might not get there. I think he proved certainly over the last two weeks in his ability to bowl sort of long spells, um, back up, still with good pace, didn't drop off at all, be able to play at the next level once they do get onto the flatter pitches and better bats. Let's move on to second grade and it was a competition Clayton dominated by Manly Warringah who took the minor premiership by a whopping 15 points over Western Suburbs but the big talking point was Blacktown Mounties uh, managing to snatch sixth place after a protest in their favour but they were going to be walking if it wasn't for the weather they were probably walking into a hiding to nothing against the form that Manly was showing in coming into those finals yeah well it was just awesome for for Manly and particularly under a leader is um yeah Andrew Jamison and unfortunately got injured 
um, three quarters of the way through the season. Um, but, you know, Manly were just so strong all year. And, you know, the only game they lost was the game after um, Jamo got injured. So it, it doesn't, you know, they're probably still getting used to a new captain and the like. So, you know, they probably would have gone undefeated, I'd, I'd suggest, if Jamo was around the whole year. And, yeah, I'm, look, I'm surprised by Blacktown, no credit to them, but particularly the way their first grade played. And then you look at that, there's obviously a big discrepancy between the two grades. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, next year in that club. But, yeah, full credit to Manly, 82-point season, only one loss. Um, pretty impressive stuff. And then in the in the, the semi-final, they did play against Northern District. And, uh, once again, it was a, it was a performance to bat um, NDs out of the game, 80s to Matt Brewster, Arlen Beadle, and Jordan Daly. I mean, let's face it, Matt Brewster and Jordan Daly are solid players, but Arlen Beadle in second grade, and Nick will confirm this, that's just rude, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You only have to look at um, the sides that made those sort of top four, five teams, even Blacktown, um, with a guy captaining someone like Matt Day, who's got plenty of first-grade experience, guys that are coming back either through the grades because of age or, or sometimes potentially because of form. I'm, I'm not sure what it was exactly with AB, but you only had to look at the quality of their first-grade side um, to then see the, the quality of some of their players like AB in that second-grade side to, <clears throat> to know that they're... They were probably going to be very strong, and, and that was the same. St George, who they played in the final, Chris McDougall, Tom Ortiz, um, I think Andrew Walsh, who was in that side, who got a first-grade double hundred in about round four or five this season. Those sides with good first-grade players mixed with a couple of young players, um, like a Joel Davies, like a Josh Seawood uh, in the Manly side, are always going to be the ones to beat. We then mentioned very quickly the, that second semi-final. That was an absolute boil over with, as you mentioned, St George getting over the line, Jackson Shaw with 82, and Tom Ortiz sharing wickets with Jonathan Craig Dobson. Manly versus St George in the final, and the first thing that came to mind is I was actually surprised Ross Trawartha wasn't down there watching this game. Uh, but Manly sent in the bat by St George, and it really was, um, Clayton, an absolute slugfest absolutely nothing in it until the very end of the game and to be fair St George nearly won the game after losing on first innings yeah they nearly took it away from him um, in the end it just shows that you know, it's a lot of the second grade boys you know it's very rare that we play three day games um, I know the finals I've played you know you, you only play and, and one or two games only goes to three days anyway so it's good to see a second grade game I suppose go the distance um, in that sense but yeah look Manly Oval is always going to produce something you know there's always runs there the deck's always good, and when you've got two amazing teams going at it, um, you know, we said, you know, having the likes of AB and, and Tommy Ortiz playing on each end, you know, that's, that's borderline cheating. You know, they, they, would beat, they would beat a lot of first-grade teams um, down the bottom of the table. So it's naturally going to set up a really, really good game, and, you know, the young uh, Joel Davies and the like coming through, you know, taking wickets, scoring runs, like, you know, all these little things that naturally sets up a pretty good game, and, and by the looks of it, it was awesome, and it was good to see... Um, you know, obviously the celebrations at Manly and the way they came through at the end was um, was awesome, and I think well deserved. You know, to go pretty much undefeated all year, I think, um, yeah, and to make the grand final and win, I think they deserve it. So well done to, to the Manly boys. And we make, we go through the second grade, um, the second grade top tens, and that name's there once again, Joel Davies. I mean, Nick, you, you've had the um, you've had the experience of playing with and again seeing these um, seeing the Davies boys come come through. What is it? Is it just that they've been given God-given gifts, or has has their father Kev done something that we need to all take lessons from? Even say myself as a father. I think yeah. So not haven't played against Joel yet, but obviously working in and around the pathways, I've seen him play before. I've played Ollie a couple of times, and 
Um, he scored 100 against this one time at, at Manly Oval. In a, I think there was a one-day game that had about 750 runs in it. And, and Ollie made a couple of blokes out there that had played a fair bit of first-class cricket, looked like third and fourth graders, um, just with the way he timed the ball. I think they're both, both Ollie uh, and Joel are exceptionally talented cricketers. But I think the one thing that I notice in both of them that sometimes can take a bit of a uh, bit of time for players to get in their head is just the confidence and the self-belief they have in their own game. They're, if they get out playing a what may be considered a dumb shot or a silly shot, they're, they're not going to shy away from it the next week. They're going to keep trying to score, keep trying to take the game on. You only need to look at uh, Ollie's first couple of rounds of the season. Um, in first grade this year, got a 100 in a one-day game. Um, then another 100 off about 80 or 90 balls in a two-day game. and It just showed that he had that confidence to take his game um, to the next level. You then watch him come away in the big bash when I can remember almost forgetting to breathe at the top of my mark. Um, when I was coming in, the nerves sort of got to me that much um, on my debut. And Ollie, I could not tell you who he was playing and who was bowling, but I just remember him um, sort of 30 or 40 and looked like he was at home. Um, he found his level and it was just that confidence they had. I, I don't know what you and I can do as fathers, mate, to, to try and put that into our kids, but it's the one thing that I've noticed in both of those boys. and um, It's certainly the thing that the best players have, that self-belief in their own game and confidence in it as well. Well, Kevin, if you're listening in, um, you know, some advice would be handy, you know, because... We, we need to make sure that we can keep producing as well. So not that I'm going to be able to do much on the field for much longer anyway. So uh, we then mentioned a couple of the other players that um, that have sort of come back into that second grade competition. Um, Clayton, you would have you would remember playing against Matthew Day in the in, when he was back at Mossman. It's this is starting second grade competition. Oh, sorry, I should mention Owen Simonson, of course, who was part of that first grade championship winning team with Parramatta. This is a competition that's now starting to resemble a first-grade competition, given the amount of talent here. And that's what you want, I think. You know, you want guys pushing into first grade that, that are ready to go. And, you know, as, as Billsy sort of said before, the guys like Matt Day that, that play for those clubs, you know, you go against um, Daisy, and he's got me out, I reckon, three or four times, because he just knows how to play at the level. And, and when he walks out the bat, he always, I reckon, hides around five or six, and he comes out. And it, it's very rare in games when I was playing against him in ones and twos that... um that he ever missed out. He just hits the ball that hard. And, um, yeah, it's just the difference. You've got a couple of guys coming from threes into twos, and then you come up against a really good operator like him. So there is no surprise uh, whatsoever that to see him um, up the top there, just the way he hits it and his leadership and the way he bowls is just... He's just an all-round threat, really, so not surprised um, there at all, Anthony. We should mention as well the highest score, I think, in New South Wales Premier Cricket, and I'm sure you'll, you, got, you gentlemen will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the high score in New South Wales Premier Cricket for the season came from second grade, and it was Corey Miller for ND scoring 262 against Hawkesbury in round two. What was going on, Clayton? Oh, it was just awesome by young Corey, you know, 18, a 19-year-old kid. You know, he played a bit of first grade um, last year and then was in twos um, at the start this year. And, you know, playing out at um, Benson's Lane on a, a bit of a smaller deck. But in saying that, though, the kid just applies so well. Um, he's one of the hardest trainers at our club. You never see him standing still doing something or he's always doing something. And he just hits the ball that clean. Um you know, I normally don't like to put big wraps on, on people because I think it's used a bit, but I think this kid is um, is pretty amazing and he's going to be something big and I think you'll see him scoring uh, bulk first-grade runs um, in, in the next season. So it was just awesome. He just batted for long and long and long and he's just a kid who loves 
batting. And I think that's what we need. And he proved it that day. And it was an incredible feat and incredible performance and, and something that we're very proud of, of him for, for achieving. And then an old mate of yours, Bilzy, the only 10-wicket haul of the competition going to Andrew Hicks, who took 10 for 62 against Sutherland in round 14. And that ended up being the, the match that solidified Manly as minor premiers. Absolutely, and I think I'll probably, um, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon that was Hitchie's last second grade game for the season as well, I think from that point on. Um, he then hopped himself up into the top grade. Um, he certainly played in the final uh, a couple of weeks later against us, and um, it was pretty amazing to see that so guys like that can take out of a second grade side. Jamo as well, unfortunately, through injury, and Manly was still able to get the job done um, in second grade. It just shows the depth that they've got as a club. Um, to lose players of that quality from certain grades, um, obviously lose players from first grade as well, still be able to make that final, still be the dominant team in second grade throughout the year and, and have grades fighting it out for um, finals positions in the in threes, fours and fives as well. Well, we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to go through grades three, two, five and the club championship. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for the Hornsby Coringai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube, Music, TuneIn, Spotify, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Hornsby Coringai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. Anthony Caruso with special guest Nick Bills from the Sydney Tigers and Clayton Waters from Northern District, and we're going to go straight into third grade, the all-conquering Northern District third grade team and and Clayton ha- has the club officially given you the moniker of the Invincibles this year. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's you know, it's an incredible honour and um, you know we've come to understand it. We are the first uh, team in ND's ninety uh, four or five history um, to go undefeated through a grade cricket season. So, um, you know, incredibly special uh, honour to have and. Um, you know, the guys that we had in the team this year is just a really good mix of, of senior players. Um, you know, guys, like we say, going down and out, I suppose, and, and young kids on their way up who will uh, play a lot higher than third grade in the coming years. So um, it was a fantastic season. It's obviously a lot of fun when you're winning, but it's probably one of my most fun seasons that I've, that I've had with, with the guy, these guys. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really good and um, you know, just a fantastic way to, to end the season. So it's been, been really, really fun. I mean, it's hard enough to go through and win a premiership in a season. It's even harder to do it undefeated, knowing in particular how many teams have been known to go through a season undefeated and then fall in the grand final. Yeah, you know, that was, you know, people were saying that, you know, you might want to lose a game before you, before you do it. But you now we were really confident um, in our abilities and we were confident that we were the best team in the comp and we just said, we had a bit of a motto that, you know, we were going to prove it every single week, um, and that was our that was our thing. We just went out and we did it, and there was no no need for a loss, no need for anything. We wanted to set the record straight that we were the best team, and and uh, we went out and did it. So we were really excited with that, and you know, it showed with one day cricket as well. We played you know one day cricket. We started training in in late July, early August, as Billsy referred to as well, and then we didn't play till the end of October. So our preseason felt like it went for four hundred years. 
Um, so it was good to actually play some cricket. Um, and, you know, it's a real testament to the SCA and the like to actually get us on. And uh, um, despite a majority of them being one days, it really didn't matter in the end. We just wanted to play cricket. So um, to go undefeated in one day cricket, which, you know, can be ups and downs, um, you know, is, is pretty special and, and something we won't forget and, and the club won't forget for a long time. We go through the, the competition into the semi-finals and the semi-final one, Northern Districts, 316 batting into day two. They gave, Bankstown gave, gave it a fair shout, but the batting to start off was absolutely brilliant. Lachlan Ford, Spencer White and Jack Shelley all getting run. Yeah, the boys were awesome, you know, like, and, and this was our plan. We just wanted to bat deep and, and bat long and, you know, we had that, that privilege to do it and, the experience of Lockie Ford, who's just played a lot of first-grade cricket, um, to come in at six and seven to do that, and Spencer White as well, who was brought up to the semi-final after not being uh, playing much third grade in the back end of the season. You know, he did his job, and um, it was really, really incredible performance by them. And you know, Bankstown got close. Um, they tried hard, but you know what? In fairness, you know, they they didn't really go after it. Um, and I didn't think they realised maybe until the end that they could have got a bit closer. So, yeah, we, we probably let them have a few more at the end, uh, putting our quicks on ice um, for the grand final. But uh, in saying that, you know, fair credit to them for, for pushing us at the end and to Alex and their guys. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good game. And, and um, they were the only team in the, uh, in the regular season that really, really pushed us. You know, we had a really close game with them. So to go have two close games with them, um, in the season is a, is a real credit to them. And Nick, the, um, you're probably very happy to see one of your old clubs, UTS North Sydney, getting into a, into another finals against Eastern Suburbs and a, really a cracking game this was. Eastern Suburbs 338 with runs from Mark Morley and a brilliant six from, for 87 from Brad Wilson who bowled an unbelievable number of overs, but they, Eastern Suburbs ended up winning comfortably, fairly comfortably in the end, but not before the Bears gave them a, a right royal fright. Absolutely, mate. I think that these sort of finals, um, then probably sometimes the scores tend to blow out a little bit at the back end of games. Um, once the game, the, the losing side probably knows that they're out of whack. Um, obviously, North Sydney having to chase the runs and having to get a result, obviously, in the end, ran out of overs, and, and the score probably looks a little bit better on Eastern Suburbs' side, but from all reports, a, a serious game in cricket, and I think there's probably a couple of players um, on the display again, um, knowing a few of the players, I think, in that east side, and there was one or two in the North Sydney coming through in our pathway. Um, I know that one Sam Constance in that Eastern Suburbs side is... Um, he's probably going to be someone I think cricket New South Wales and cricket Australia without putting too big a raps on him could probably pin their hopes on I think he's he's been a player um, for a 15 year old this year I think he scored six or seven hundreds um, across all sorts of different competitions and someone that's got the ability to bat those sort of long periods of time um, at that young age uh, shows that they're probably uh, pretty worthy of getting to the next level and Again, you've got that mix of young players, someone like Mark Morley, who um, has played a lot of first-grade cricket. I think he even played a bit of first-grade cricket this year, a few T20s and maybe a bit of white ball stuff for East. You, you mix those sort of guys in with experience and a couple of young kids uh, coming through, um, as Clayton said, on the way up. That's usually a pretty good recipe uh, for successful teams, regardless of the grade. And then we get to the grand final, and like um, like a couple of games that we've seen in the semi-finals, ended up being a non-event. Clayton, this is this is dead set seven for four hundred and sixty-one. This, this is um, this is cruel and unusual punishment, isn't it? Mate, when you come first, you can control the game, um, and that's the <laughs> rewards that we had for the season. And uh, 
No, we, we might have copped it from uh, a few people that might have been chirpy on the old frog box chat lines about uh, uh, not declaring. But you know what? We came first for a reason, and what we're going to do is we're going to bat, and we're going to bat as long as we can. And uh, you know, Jason Hayward scoring 155, scoring his, his second 150 in a third-grade final and rightly getting the, the player of the match for his second time was just awesome. But, you know, as Billsy said, you know, the best strategy for, for Constance and those kids is don't let them bat. Um, yeah. Because you know he, that kid is an absolute weapon. Um, he's going to be a very, very good player um, in the future, and I dare say it's probably the last third grade game he might be playing in a while. So, um, and that was our plan. You know, we we went out, we were busy, we were proactive. You know, you don't score 461 before you know before lunch on on day two just by blocking it. So we just stuck to our game. Our game was to be busy. Our game was to be proactive, and that's what we did. Jace hits the ball really hard and. Um, you know, he faced uh, 290 balls there. 40 was really, really busy again. Um, you know, Swaney at the top scoring 52 and, and Jack Shelley as well scoring 30 odd. And, um, you know, I, I was a fantastic 15 ball innings by me as well, Anthony. Um, just thought I'd throw that in there and see oh, what I think. Yep. I think, um, Sadu or I think it was actually, it was either Sadu or Constance. I can't remember. Probably well, bowled one of the balls of the century, I think, for me to nick one to, uh, first slip. So I think it was the only ball that turned all day. You know, it was just an awesome feeling. Um, unbelievable way to do it. Um, and like I said, I, I don't really care what other people think. If you come first, you have the ability to battle day, and, and that's what we did, and it, it made it just as sweet no matter what. So I was um, very, very happy with the performance and, and stoked with the efforts from the boys. And we should mention that as well, Nick, that um, it, they say finals cricket does funny things to, to people, and yet you often find that the, the team that wins is it necess- may not necessarily be the best team in terms of the competition, but the team who actually comes out and plays with probably the most positive attitude in that match itself, uh, whether you're batting, uh, you're actually looking to score runs rather than just try to bat a, bat a game out, or if you're bowling, you're trying to bowl and, and trying to attack and look for wickets rather than trying to con- stop runs flowing. Absolutely, mate. I, I think that, um, and this was something we spoke about, obviously having the, the luxury of finishing first, and if the results went out, well, obviously if the result of the game went away, a draw would be enough to to go through to the next week. I think that if we look to play for a draw, really the only other result from that point on is a loss. I think if you're only looking to try and draw the game, um, that's when you can can get yourselves into trouble. I have no doubt that in Clayton's third grade game, just like in our first grade game, we didn't go out there looking for a draw. If the draw came our way, look, we were going to take it with both hands, just like Clayton and, and the ND's third grade boys, but we were looking to bat and try and bat to win the game, take the game away from the opposition. Obviously, the, the difference between any other Saturday um, throughout the season is you get back to about 90, maybe 96 overs in the day, look to declare and, and then take the 10 wickets to win the game. Um, that That's the luxury you've got, being the top-ranked team, um, and then trying to win the game uh, without having to try and win the game. You can just keep batting um, to take those wickets. And uh, I think as soon as sides look to try and draw the game and bat too slowly, I reckon there was times this season looking through different finals where sides would be looked, almost looking to bat for a draw, lose a couple of quick wickets, and, and all of a sudden they can end up on the wrong side of the result. If you're going out to play a game of cricket, I think you've got to look to win because then you've still got the option to fall back onto a draw if need be. But as soon as you look to go and um, just bat for time without looking to move the game forward or, or bowl without trying to take wickets, you put yourself into a pretty precarious position. We then go to fourth grade, and it was St George coming out with the minor premiership um, over a fairly fast-finishing Sutherland, but again, a very tight competition 
all the way through, and a couple of um, surprise results that um, that came up with Eastern Suburbs and UTS North Sydney joining the two university sides in the finals. But the, again, we see all too often what finals what finals can do. And it ended up being the two teams from the south side of Sydney battling out in the final, and Sutherland, Nick, of all teams, winning from fourth place on the ladder, toppling St George, despite getting knocked over 161, and probably one of the most stunning performances, they, Sutherland then came out and knocked over St George for 57. Absolutely, and I think the, the remarkable thing, and, and I know this, um, I saw an email um, after Sutherland semi-final, I think, one of probably the more remarkable results um, in the season in their semi-final. You'll probably be able to tell me who they played in that semi, but I know... Sydney University. Sydney Uni. They were eight for about 80, um, with about 80-odd overs left to go in the day, um, and ended up batting out the game for a draw, um, and which was good enough for them to go through being the highest-ranked team. I think a lot of times that can sometimes be a grand final, getting through a semi-final like that. I, I think there were some pretty, from all reports, some pretty remarkable performances there, um, being able to bat for that length of time without losing a wicket. Um, in a fourth grade game as well, um, the ability to bat that sort of time generally comes uh, from players who have far more experience um, up the grades, but from all reports, a very, very remarkable draw. Um, and then they're obviously able to take that momentum with them um, into the final. And I know Gooch did that game um, at, at St George, I think it was, with Hurstville. And um, I think overnight the game was... Pretty well evenly balanced um, with St George one or two down uh, in their innings and then um, the game was over pretty much after the first over of the next day. Tommy Straker uh, ran through and took a couple of wickets there. Another very good young pathways cricketer at Cricket New South Wales, 16 years old and almost probably twice the size of me um, and bowls the ball almost quicker than me already. So he's going to have another very good future. Um, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, he's twice the size of you. For, the, for those who haven't met Nick Bills... Um, is he nine foot? He's not crazy. He's, he's certainly got a bigger chest than me. <laughs> what does he eat and what does he pump? Like, he, he, must, he must be able to... He'd probably be able to bench press me if he's that big. Oh, I can't imagine he'd be too far away, but he's got, uh, from down there in Sutherland, he's got a bit of a rugby league background as well. Um, but having watched him bowl, he's, the one thing you don't tend to get um, in young cricketers, you often sometimes get the pace with no control or you get a bit of control with not much pace at that age. Um, that sort of stuff, that you start to marry those together as they get through the pathway system and get a bit more coaching under their belt. But the one thing Tommy's got in spades at the moment is he's got lots of ball speed and he's got the ability to control it as well. He's, he doesn't bowl bad balls. He doesn't bowl looseners. Um, and I think in... Um, as, as Clayton said before, I don't think Sammy Constance is going to play another third grade game in his life. I can guarantee you right now, Tommy Strake is never going to play another fourth grade game in his life either. This is, that, that's scary. And, and to think when you, you mentioned, you know, the ability of some rugby league players in, in the, in cricket, you know, there's only, only one, um, one person needs to think of Jake Travoyevich, what he could have done if he went on and played cricket. I've, I've heard about his eye when he bats. And he, the, his ability to hit a very long ball. Maybe this guy's got the same ability, but with the arm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's probably a lot of good days. And, and whether they'd be rugby union, I know Nathan Brown um, from the Eels had a pretty good career, or potentially a pretty good career um, in cricket if he wanted to play some 17s and maybe some 19s cricket as well. And um, obviously, like Jake Travoyevich, uh, probably rightfully chose the 
chose rugby league and, and the rest is history. But um, I certainly think kids like that, the ability to play two sports um, is obviously always going to help. And the better athletes tend to become better cricketers or better rugby league players or, or better AFL players, whatever sport they're going to choose. We then go to fifth grade and Clayton, no surprise, one, um, once again, Penrith who have dominated this competition for years upon years, taking the minor premiership by a win over Northern District, UNSW and Gordon not far behind, um, and this has been a competition that you know, yourselves, Penrith and UNSW have consistently been in the top three over the last few years. Yeah, we were super lucky, you know, with, with Paddy Merton, who's been the fifth grade captain there, I think for around six, seven years at our club. So a lot of guys know fifth grade captaincy is a very thankless job. Um, you know, half the time on some Friday nights, you might only have nine players at certain points and you call on parents and, and doing all that, then you've obviously got to go out and try and win a game. So um, it just shows the, the depth of the club. Uh, at MDs and Penrith and the like, and yeah, it was just um, fantastic to, to see the boys get a win in, in a pretty close game in the end. Well, going through the semi-finals very quickly, Penrith um, upset um, in an absolute well. I mean, some you would would say it would be a thriller, but it really ended up being a cakewalk with um, Penrith all out for two hundred and five, and Gordon chasing it down for the loss of just two wickets with Tristan Kennedy getting one hundred and twelve, and your fifth grade team getting the draw against UNSW at. Asquith Oval, and another example of the higher place team taking full advantage, nine for 325. No centuries, but just runs all the way through. Yeah, the boys just battled and battled and battled, and, you know, Paddy Merton, he, he got 49, but I think he faced like 150 balls there. So, you know, he just showed, again, like a bit of application, and, you know, Union South Wales threw everything at him, um, and they had a pretty solid team too, because they had the team in fourth grade as well, so they had a couple of... Uh, you know, up down, so their team was was strong, and they, um, you know, it was just really good to see our boys. I think they took that confidence going into into the next week, and I know a lot of the guys down the lower end of the order, um, we probably didn't have the chance to bat that much. You know, getting twenties and thirties and stuff, they were stoked with that. I think a few of them came back next week, calling themselves all rounders. So um, I think they were really really stoked with that, and I think it led them um, into the success of next week as well. Hang on, hang on. I, I need to clarify something on this. Everyone's was. Can we confirm or deny that everyone's favourite bat repairer, um, Josh Gavin, was playing in this game as well? I wouldn't have a clue. I don't know. He, he may or may not have been. I'm, I'm not too I, sure. I'm just having. A, I'm just double checking. I had a, heard a rumour about it. Yes, he was. Everyone's favourite bat repairer was playing in that game itself. So I'm sure he had a perfect, uh, beautiful stick ready to go. And um, unfortunately, Paddy Merton had some other ideas. So that's probably a good thing for us. He didn't bat. Maybe, maybe, maybe Paddy, Paddy Merton had one of his bats. Oh, he definitely does not. I've seen Paddy Merton's bat, and that is not anything that uh, JP would want to uh, have affiliated with his name. So, no, that, that is uh, definitely not. What is it? Just an absolute railroad sleeper, is it? Uh, I think I think he's had it for the last couple of years, and um, yeah, he just somehow just keeps going and, and churning out uh, runs in the lower grades. So, yeah, he's a, he's a legend, Paddy, and he, but he's just a big game player. When he steps up and when he wants to do it, he does it, and. You would look at him sometimes and go, I don't know how he does it, but um, he gets out there and he makes some of the younger kids who have that picture-perfect technique uh, look pretty silly. So uh, he's just an incredible guy and a great leader. Let's go to the grand final itself. And uh, out at um, lovely Asquith Oval, you, no, no, no temptations to take this to, um, to our favourite ground in Story Park? <laughs> uh, no, because uh, Asquith's obviously... A little bit bigger, uh, and Story Park is a bit of a postage stamp, so it could have been uh, 
bit of a high-scoring game uh, if it stayed there. But, you know, the fifth-grade boys weren't used to playing at Ascrit, so that's something they had to get used to as well. And, you know, 230 on the board, and then Gordon had to make the running of it um, in the end. And, you know, there's a couple of good innings there, but I think um, a bit of their inexperience in the Gordon side and uh, I think them getting swept up with a bit of the crowd and, and the noise uh, really cost them in the end, to be honest. So... Uh, it was good for Andes to uh, to get home, and it was fantastic because the three boys finished early that um, we could get up there and support and, and be a part of that as well, which was really, really good. And, and uh, it's just a crazy game. I think we dropped like four or five catches as well um, when they were batting, so it, it could have really turned uh, either way, and it was just fantastic to see the boys get home in the end. Man of the match here was uh, Mitchell Crayon, the uh, wicketkeeper, taking 41 off. 135 and, and taking three catches as well. A very solid uh, game from the keeper batsman and uh, ended up being the linchpin for a fifth grade premiership. Uh, very quick mention of the of the other competitions, the the age competitions before we get to the all important club championships. Poitou and Gray uh, taken out by Gordon and Nick. The the game of course abandoned because of the weather, but um, this Gordon lineup continuing the momentum that the Stags have had over the last couple of years, and it's finally coming to fruition with a uh, very significant premiership. Yeah, absolutely. A, a different setup now with the conference system um, in PGs, and I think um, I'm pretty sure they were joint premiers this year with Gordon and Parramatta um, without uh, the ability to get a result. And with a conference system, obviously no one team can finish higher up on the ladder. So I know talking to the few of the boys at the premiers dinner last, uh, last Friday, it was obviously... Um, disappointed in a way not to be able to play a final and get the opportunity to win the game, but on the same token, um, you, you don't have the opportunity to lose a final as well. So to come away joint premiers um, was probably a good result, and I think both of those sides, if you, if you look at the teams that have done well in Portland and Grays over the last couple of years, um, those teams have, have tended to go on and, and do well across the grades um, in the next few years. Obviously, as you said, that Gordon side... Um, good young side of 21 and under players coming through and, and the same thing um, with Parramatta as well. A lot of those players are doubling up and playing first or second grade, which just shows the, the strength that those clubs will have uh, in the next couple of years. I think Gordon in first grade were, were maybe only a win outside the top six and were probably sitting in sixth spot and, until St George got that win, uh, bonus point win with about two or three balls to spare uh, on the last Saturday uh, before the finals. And then we go to the Green Shield competition for under-16, another premiership for Northern District, Clayton. Um, Penrith all out for 156, and Northern District doing it easy for the loss of only three wickets. And a man of the match, a, a player we're going to see a, a bit of, and a rather famous surname when it comes to cricket, uh, Cameron Tunks taking, uh, taking two for 31 and scoring 31 not out of 58. I've got an even better start for you, Anthony. Tungsy played 26 games of cricket this year and didn't lose one, so which was um, pretty remarkable for such a young kid. And you know, for him to, to captain the, the Greeny side and be a big part of my third grade side um, throughout the year as well was just unbelievable. And it was just so good to see um, you know, the Greenies boys win again. You know, we've we've been in a, a strong patch of, of junior kids and. You know, all these kids come from our area or come from up the coast, which is a part of our um, catchment. And, you know, it's just awesome to see there's such fantastic coaches and such fantastic pathways within our club. Um, a lot of these kids that are playing have been a part of our Young Rangers program since they were, you know, 11s you know, or 12s. And to see them come into to Greenies and, and win a comp again is just remarkable. So, 
you know, Fadzi getting 60 at the top was amazing. And then, you know, Tunksy just icing the game um, was really, really good. And, and Lockie Carlisle, who's got three for 28, is a young spinner from, from uh, up the north coast. Um, I think he's going to have a pretty bright future as well. He spins the ball really, really hard. And, um, you know, he bats really well. He got a century as well throughout the year. So he'll be someone who'll be a big part of our club in the future as well. So it was really impressive. And the, the future is definitely bright for these kids. We then come to the club championship. And once again, congratulations to Northern Districts winning it with 15, 29 points. Um, 60 points clear of Manly Ringer in what was a very close two-horse race throughout the uh, the season. Uh, Sydney University coming in at third. And uh, Nick and Clayton, I'll give uh, you ch- gentlemen a chance to really sum up the performances of your clubs as a whole. Um, with Sydney far from disgraced in, in fourth place. Um, so Clayton to yourself, club champions. Uh, and you've had a major role to play as part of that leadership team up at Mark Taylor Oval. Yeah, well, it's just awesome. It's it's the best award. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You know, it's great to have you know your individual awards and and the team awards alike. But to sit back and think that you know 55 players every single weekend all contributed um, and all um, you know gave up time and trained and the like to to win this. It's just um, fantastic, and it goes a real credit to ND's committee and and everybody as well who, who's worked on that to the ground staff to to every single person involved and. Um, you know, it was just fantastic to, to celebrate that again. Um, you know, there was a lot of you know, 15-year-old, 14-year-old kids in their first year of grade cricket, and you win a club champ. So um, it's pretty amazing. And, look, it was really close going into that last round. We knew we needed at least three games. Um, but Manly playing in Sydney Uni was, was a tight uh, game, and we knew if a couple of games, particularly first grade, may have gone our way um, that we were going to have it. So you know, we knew about, I think, four or five o'clock, um, that we knew that, and then um, it was just a fantastic night celebrating that and um, enjoying that success. So, yeah, fantastic year for the club, and I think probably one of our better ones um, of the year, including our women's first-grade premiership as well. So uh, it was a really, really good time and a really good enjoyment um, and celebration over the last couple of weeks. And, Nick, Sydney Cricket Club, a, a solid season all round, um, building along nicely, and we're, start, and we're seeing some very good depth for the Tigers that will built that will obviously lay the foundation for future success absolutely mate i think we've been um we've been pretty lucky over the last few years we've we've been in there or thereabouts without getting the bickies in that club championship i think the club's um done an extraordinary job to be consistent year in year out it unfortunately had a bit of um a vacuum of players that finished in that second grade side we've had um it's been remarkably competitive over the last few years life and, and things get in the way unfortunately but um, to still be able to finish in the top four in club champs. You had first grade make the finals. Um, Greenies make the finals as well. PGs were missed out on percentage. And, and third grade, um, one more result had it gone their way, would have snuck into the finals as well. So um, we had a very good year as a club. We've got um, a very, very young club from probably grades three, four and five down. So um, that we won't sort of see the fruit from that um, for the next couple of, until the next couple of years when guys will probably start to be playing in the right grade rather than playing one, maybe two grades up. It probably means they're, they're getting a little bit of learning on the run um, at the moment, but I think it's going to set us uh, up for a pretty good crack, not only in winning uh, the club champs, but also winning a few more grade premierships across the way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, that is Stumps and that is Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au.
I want to start off by thanking our special guests. First off, Nick Bills, thank you very much for joining us once again. Enjoy the season off. Enjoy the success of the of the first grade premiership, and I imagine we'll be seeing you back again, ready to tear up at Dremoyne Oval. No, thank you for having me, mate. It's uh, been great to be involved, and uh, good to be finally underway for golf season um, in in, year, in season 2021. Where are you? Uh, where are you playing, and what are you hitting off at the moment? Um, well, the handicap's taking a bit of tumble. Unfortunately, uh, cricket season doesn't do wonders uh, for the golfing game. I've sort of got a five or six month hiatus, so try to sneak in as many games as I can. I'm a member down here, just at my local golf course, Massey Park. Hopefully, we can keep it um, around 15 or so. Um, before we get back to another cricket season at the um, end of end of winter, well, hopefully you get a little bit of um, coin off uh, off Jay when you go for your for your rounds together when he comes down next time. Uh, Clayton, congratulations for NDs club champions, a few premierships to go with it as well. Invincibles for third grade. Um, how, how do you sign off from a season like that? Oh, I think you've nailed it <laughs> pretty well. You know, it's just a, a remarkable thing. You know, it doesn't. Um, you know, it, it has sort of sunk in you know, quite nicely, and you know, we want to obviously make sure that we're you know, humble with that. But um, it doesn't defeat the um, the fact that you know we have just worked really, really hard for these victories and uh, and these championships. And you know, the, the big challenge is though, you know, we've got to try and do it again next year. So you know, plans are underway for that, um, and trying to go you know back to back in other comps because you know no one remembers who the champion was last year when when the there's new seasons coming up. So. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to it, and, and we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, thanks again for having me, mate. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn, Spotify, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for the Hornsby Coringai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. On behalf of Nick Bills and Clayton Waters, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night.